welcome to podcast number 17 here on The Voice of the Arts with your host, yours truly, Joe Weber. On this podcast, we'll be talking with Western history buff Jim Dunham about the tale of Billy the Kid, who was one of the actors in the Lincoln County, New Mexico Range War in the 1880s. But right now, we're going to give a listen to Don Edwards' The Old Cowboy. of a driving storm and sang to them steers a doleful song as they rattled their hawks and horns I've been in many a stampede too I've heard the rumbling noise and the light we had to turn them by was the lightning on their horns. But many a cowboy I rode within is sleeping on old boot hill. And the last cow drive was made to dodge on the Jones and Plummer Trail. They're building towns and railroads now where we used to bed our cows. And the man with a mule, the plow and hoe is digging up our old bed grounds. The old cowboy has watched the change, seen the good times come and go. But the old cowboy will soon be gone, just like the buffalo. I drank the water from cow tracks, boys, when you bet it tasted good. Don Edwards' melancholy ode to the old cowboy. Up next, we're going to hear an interview I did several years back with Jim Dunham, who was a regular guest on station WMLB 1690 AM in Atlanta. Jim's a Western history buff, and I had inquired as to the details of the life of Billy the Kid.
Well, the Lincoln County Range War is the classic, and and uh, more motion pictures have probably been based on Billy the Kid than than any. Uh, other character in in the historical West to do. Jim, I got to stop you for one second. You got to give us time and place because oh, okay. you know you're so immersed in this. You know it. We don't. <laughs> so where yeah. w- Lincoln County? Where and give me the year and the date. Right, Link- Lincoln County uh, is is a, a large county in sort of central New Mexico, and uh, and this would have been, of course, New Mexico territory before it became a state. This starts out around uh, 1879 and culminates uh, through the next few years, probably ending up around uh, 1882 is when things really kind of kind of end for the Lincoln County War. Who was involved? Were these uh, sheep herders or no, farmers? No, these, these were cattlemen against bankers and lawyers and and uh, businessmen. And this is, you know, so so many of the movies. It's the the guy with the black hat is the is the townsperson. He's the he's the the guy who loans the widow the money and then wants the wants the ranch when she can't pay that kind of a thing. And this Lincoln County War is really the classic of that story. Uh, after the Civil War was over, a number of ex-military guys that were mostly, for the most part, they were all officers in the Union Army, and most of them were were Irish. They all have uh, a background of coming from Ireland or from uh, being being Irish. Uh, Lawrence Murphy and and Jimmy Doolin and and uh, all these guys that were part of what we call the House. They, their 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 business was referred to by many people as the Murphy Dolan or the House faction. And uh, and they what they did is they came into Lincoln, New Mexico, a little town in in New Mexico, uh, south of Ruidoso, and uh, this this town didn't have a bank and it didn't have a, a general store. And so they went ahead and started a store, and they started a bank, and they started uh, building businesses, and they started loaning money to especially the Hispanic uh, community that wanted to have farms and ranches. And so what they would do is they would loan these guys money, and the and the fellows would say, okay, as soon as my wheat crop comes in, uh, I'll pay you back. And then they would go the day before the wheat was going to be cut, and they'd say, uh, you didn't read the small print. You owe me this money this afternoon, and if you uh, don't pay, we'll take your ranch. And the guy would say, well, gee, I'm going to you know, cut my wheat here, and I'll be able to pay you in a few hours. And they'd say, no, no we're taking it today before you get a chance to do that. And so they were really they were terrible. They were con men, and they were they were crooks, and they were bums. And a fellow by the name of John Tunstall, whose family was from England, came into that area, saw the potential for for profit and business and raising cattle, and he got his parents, who had money, to buy him a fifteen thousand dollar ranch, and he started raising cattle, and he saw what was happening, and that and that these guys, these evil guys, were causing so much trouble, and 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 were doing such bad things to the community, that Tunstall goes into business, put builds his own store, and starts loaning money in in competition. Well, Murphy and Dolan aren't going to take that, so they they have the law in their pocket. They have Sheriff Brady, and so they they put together a posse. Uh, to go after uh, John Tunstall, and he gets killed. He gets shot down, killed by this posse in cold blood. And one of the cowboys that worked for John Tunstall was a young man who called himself William Bonney and was sometimes referred to as Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid 
uh, was his real name was Henry McCarty. He was he was born uh, probably in 1823 in in New York City of all places, but his mother uh, was a widow and she she remarried a guy in, in uh, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and and his name was. <laughs> uh, Ansel. His name was Ansel, and so, so, so he he becomes uh, basically this this uh, young fella who's kind of a wild and woolly character, sixteen, seventeen year old guy, and and uh, he he really was a troublemaker, and he would get into trouble, and he would you know probably wasn't destined for great things in his life, but he really. He becomes a friend of of John Tunstall, and Tunstall hires him as a cowboy. And when he sees his friend and mentor killed in front of his eyes, he becomes part of a of a group that's going to take the law in their own hands and right the wrongs. And they go after the sheriff that uh, they sheriff feel is, Brady, Sheriff Brady, and they shoot him down in the back, kill him. And this gang then becomes, of course. Against the, they've broken all the laws. You can't take the law in your own hands and kill people just because they're evil and just because they've done wrong. You, the right thing to, would would have been to go to the federal government and to appeal to the uh, federal marshals uh, to take a stand and, and step in. And of course, they didn't do that. And so this little group of people call themselves the regulators, and they go on the rampage and start killing people who they feel are the real bad guys. And, and this, so they they go after Doolin and they go they go after all these guys and of course they don't get the big guys because those guys are able to surround themselves with with gunmen and and uh, and they they can hide from you know they stay behind people with heavy heavy money behind them and with with lots of you know uh, support they're able to protect themselves so really the kids never able to get to those guys but they do they kill they kill a number of people and. A number of people step in that, that basically go to the uh, territorial government and try to get amnesty proposed because they realize that the real bad guys are Murphy and Dolan, and that and that you know somebody needs to step in here and stop this. The United States uh, government gets involved, and and uh, Governor Axel loses his job, and they bring in a new governor to solve the problem, and that governor is a fellow by the name of Lou Wallace. Lou Wallace had been a general in the Civil War. He was from Indiana, and he becomes the governor of New Mexico at the time that Billy the Kid is is doing all of these things. But Lou Wallace is busy doing something else. He's busy writing a book. The book that he's writing is called Ben-Hur. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, that really yeah, is. He's writing the book Ben-Hur. And so so he's, he's, not, of, he's not absorbed with all yeah, these people kind of shooting each other. Yeah. But anyway, he, he appoints Pat Garrett as the replacement for for the dead sheriff for sheriff brady and basically pat garrett goes after billy the kid and he actually catches him they arrest him they charge him with with murder and uh and there's a letter writing campaign billy the kid writes to the governor and the governor writes back to him and they they actually meet one time and have a talk and uh and he, billy the kid said you know the real bad guys are these other guys and and the governor listens and sort of says, "Okay, well, I'm going to see to it that that you don't get, you know, convicted and that you get a chance to get amnesty." And then at some point, the governor's close friends come in and say, "You know what? You don't really want to do that, and you don't want to be involved in this, and this is too too much a political hot potato. So you need to step aside." And he does. And as a result, the kid gets convicted of murder, but he escapes. 
escapes, and he escapes in a spectacular escape where where his girlfriend has hidden a pistol in the outhouse, and he goes to the outhouse and gets a pistol and comes out blazing away, and he kills two of the deputies holding him, and eventually, of course, he takes off, and and now when Sheriff Pat Garrett comes back to Lincoln, he finds that his prisoner is gone. He puts a posse together, goes after him, and he knows he has friends in in uh, uh, Fort Sumner, uh, and he goes to Fort Sumner, and he and he goes to a house that was owned by a, a very uh, wealthy Mexican family, uh, Pete Maxwell from the Maxwell Land Grant, that owned lots and lots of land in New Mexico. And it's almost midnight on the 14th of July, 1881, and he knocks on the door, and the servant answers the door. And, okay, and, hold hold right there. Okay. Let's get that date. Put me in that time and place again. It's okay. midnight. It's almost midnight on July 14, 1881. And, and uh, Sheriff Pat Garrett knocks on Pete Maxwell's door, and this, one of the servants answers the door, and Garrett says, I need to talk to Pete. And he says, well, he's asleep. I mean, it's just late at night. And he says, well, I just, I just need to talk to him for a minute. And he says, okay, well, he's in his bedroom and down the hall. So Pete goes into the bedroom. He knows Maxwell. Maxwell's a friend of his. And he, and he, in the dark room, in the dark bedroom, he kneels down next to the bed and wakes Pete up. Pete wakes up and he goes, what, 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 what's going on? He says, it's okay, Pete. It's okay. It's, it's Sheriff Garrett. I just need to ask you a few questions. He says, we have heard rumors that Billy the Kid is, is in the area, and we wonder if you've heard those rumors and have any idea where he might be. Well, not only is the kid in the area, he's in this house. His girlfriend is, is either a member of the family or one of the servants of the Maxwell. We think he's, she was one of the Max, Maxwell girls, one of the family that his, was his girlfriend. And he has gotten up, Billy the Kid has gotten up in the middle of the night. He's hungry, and so he's shirtless, wearing his trousers with no shoes on, and he is walking towards the kitchen area with a butcher knife so he can cut some roast beef off of the roast that they have hanging in there. And as he walks past the doorway, he hears whispering, and he looks into a darkened room, and he leans forward and he says, Kines, Kines. He's in a Mexican home, and so he says in Spanish, Who is it? Who is it? And Garrett recognizes the voice, and this is a man, of course, who has escaped from jail and killed two of his deputies. And so he doesn't want to take any chances, and so he doesn't say a word, but rather he fires two shots at the man in the doorway, and he kills Billy the Kid. Well, he becomes, you know, the man who killed Billy the Kid, but the community is very upset because we don't like police officers to do that. We want police officers to say, you're under arrest, throw up your arms, you know, you have a chance to surrender. When you just shoot first and ask questions later, uh, it becomes very, very difficult for anybody to accept that kind of police work. And so Garrett writes a book to defend what he did called The Life and Legend, The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid. And that book is really one of the one of the classics of the Old West literature. And Garrett has now a hard time running for re-election because because the greater community knows that the real bad guys are Murphy and Dolan in the house and not and not the kid and not Tunstall, and so he has trouble. The only office he'll actually hold again is he becomes the inspector uh, for the border 
uh, inspector in El Paso, Texas. He gets appointed in that position by Teddy Roosevelt when, when Roosevelt becomes president of the United States. So, and, so Murphy and, and, and is it Dolan? Murphy or Dolan? and Dolan pretty much get away. Never. What they got. They, uh, both of them will wind up uh, with cancer or, or ailments that will take them down fairly early, but they don't get convicted of any crimes. Justice. And Garrett himself uh, will be assassinated. He'll be riding in a wagon uh, with, with a fellow who bought some uh, livestock from him, and they get into an argument. His name is Wayne Brazell, and, and Wayne Brazell basically uh, shoots Garrett in the back while he's outside of the wagon, uh, probably urinating in the grass. Yeah. And so, so he shoots him in the back and he dies as a result of, of that. But there was no relationship between his death and, and the Lincoln County War that took place years years before. But Jim, it's a great story. It's a great story. Jim, uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing uh, so much of your knowledge with us. We were t- we've been talking about the Lincoln County Range War. And uh, our guest, our regular contributor, Jim Dunham of the Booth Western Museum of Art. Jim, so long. Thanks. Thank you very much, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye. As I hear that interview again, it occurs to me that according to Jim Dunham's dates... Billy the Kid would have been either 57 or 58 years old at the time of his death, born in 1823 and killed in 1881. Must have been very youthful in appearance.
For those of you who are unfamiliar with the spaghetti westerns made in Italy by Sergio Leone in the late 1960s and 1970s, that was music from the soundtrack of Il Buono, Il Brutto, Il Cattivo, otherwise known as The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It was one of the many films starring Clint Eastwood, produced by Leone. Italy was where Clint Eastwood's career really began. Next, we're going to hear some music and narrative from an earlier Italian attempt at capturing the mythic American West. Italians, like other Europeans, have been fascinated with tales out of the American West. In 1907, 60 years before Clint Eastwood teamed up with Sergio Leone to make a series of what have been called spaghetti westerns, Giacomo Puccini watched David Belasco's production on the Broadway stage of The Girl of the Golden West. Puccini was in New York at the time watching the American premiere of Madame Butterfly, which had been adapted from Velasco's Broadway play of the same name. Puccini adapted The Girl of the Golden West to create La Fanciulla del West. It's the story of Minnie, Minnie in the Italian pronunciation, a tough but tender woman who is loved by the California gold miners to whom she is a devoted mother figure. She reads them stories from the Bible and looks after their emotional and physical well-being. The opera is a little bit like a cross between A Fistful of Dollars and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. The heavy in the opera is the sheriff, a character named Jack Rance, whose lust for Minnie is rejected, and he finds himself on the wrong end of her six-shooter. Minnie falls head over heels in love with the outlaw Ramirez, who uses the alias Dick Johnson. When Ramirez slash Johnson is finally apprehended, he awaits the hangman's noose and sings the well-known aria Che la mi creda libero. Let her think I'm free and far away on my way to a new life. She'll wait for me to return and the days will pass and I won't come back. Minnie, the only flower of my life. Oh. 
You've been listening to excerpts from a Deutsche Grammophon recording of Giacomo Puccini's La Fanciulla del West, with Placido Domingo playing the role of Dick Johnson, Carol Neblett playing the role of Minnie, Cheryl Milnes the role of Jack Rance. Having been raised on cowboy movies from Hopalong Cassidy to John Wayne to Clint Eastwood, I'm amused by the Italian sensibility when applied to the American West as exemplified in Giacomo Puccini's La Fanciulla del West, which was adapted in 1907 from David Belasco's Broadway play The Girl of the Golden West. All of our film cowboys were strong, silent types, rarely betraying any emotion other than anger and outrage at the sinister doings of their adversaries. There wasn't much time for taking one's emotional temperature when you had to jump on a horse from the second story of a saloon without a jockstrap and cup, or outshoot a band of hombres intent on terrorizing a village of innocent townspeople. In the beginning of Puccini's La Fanciulla del West, 
The minstrel Jake Wallace sings as he enters the saloon that's already filling up with gold miners. La mia mamma che farà si o non torno, si o non torno, quanto piangerà. My mother, what will she do if I never return? If I never return, how she'll weep. Not once, not once in all my years of watching have I ever heard Bat Masterson, Wyatt Earp, Hopalong Cassidy, Shane, or any of the others express one iota of concern for their mothers. They could have at least called or sent a note, something. After so long will my dog recognize me. You've been listening to excerpts from a Deutsche Grammophon recording of Giacomo Puccini's La Fanciulla del West, with Carol Neblet in the role of Minnie, Placido Domingo as Dick Johnson, Cheryl Milnes as Jack Rance, the orchestra conducted by Zubin Mehta. Folks, that's going to wrap things up for podcast number 17. This is Joe Weber saying so long from the old homestead where we produce the Voice of the Arts. Thanks for keeping me company. (laughs) ¶¶